Well, we're coming to the end of the liturgical season. So the first Sunday of Advent, we start a new year of the church. And as we come to the liturgical season, the readings start to get a little bit more difficult week after week after week. So I promise you, I'm not changing my preaching, but the readings are getting more difficult. So we hear in this parable that Jesus is introducing, this image of the wedding feast that everyone is invited to. And so I want to talk about uh, what it means to invite people here to the Eucharist and what it means to one day enter into eternal life. So Jesus is talking about this twofold purpose in this parable. One is to come to him in the Eucharist and one is to come to eternal life. So the parable begins with him dispatching these servants to summon the invited guests to the feast, but they refuse to come. Now, I never had a wedding, but I'm sure a lot of you have had weddings yourselves, or maybe you had children that got married as well. But I hear that doing the uh, invitation list, the invitation list is kind of a nightmare, right? Because you have to figure out how many people you can have there, and uh, who are the people you need to start to, like, make the chopping block, or uh, now I think it's like the, the, the B list of the people that will come after, you know, the A list hasn't responded. But could you imagine for one of your children uh, preparing this celebration for them, having this wedding, sending out the invitations, and no one responds, and they all say, no, I don't feel like coming. Wouldn't that be horrible, like devastating for you? And that's what Jesus is describing today. He's describing this mystical wedding feast that all are invited to. And when he sends out the invitations, people respond, no. They're going to work. They're going to work on the farm. They're going to be laboring instead. And that's what Sunday Mass is like. Every Sunday we're called to, to the Eucharist to come together and worship God and celebrate this feast of the body and blood of Christ. And I'm preaching to the choir here because you're all here. But how many people are not here today? How many people don't come to Mass on a Sunday? And yet we have this wonderful celebration where Jesus offers us his very body, blood, soul, and divinity. And people are either working or going to sports or sleeping in or just like, eh, I don't want to go. But he wants all of us to come here together. And just as he sent out servants to invite people to the feast, every week he sends you out to invite people to the feast. And so I would just like you to think about that. Every week, who could you invite? Does God have placed someone on your heart that he wants you to invite into this feast? So he says that some ignored this invitation and went away, one to the farm, another to his business. And the rest laid hold of his servants mistreated them, and killed them. Luckily, that probably won't happen to you or I if we go and invite people to the Eucharist, right? I know it's terrifying sometimes, and I know like we don't want to rock the boat or cause any tension, but it is our responsibility as his servants to invite people to this feast. And then we hear that the king was enraged and sent his troops, destroy those murders, and burn the city. So who's the king referring to? 
God the Father. And Jesus is the one that was rejected and murdered. Didn't this happen during the time of the temple falling and being burned? And so we hear of this burning of the city. And then he said to his servants, the feast is ready. But those who were invited were not worthy to come. Go out, therefore, into the main roads and invite to the feast whomever you find. So he's saying, go out into the main roads and invite anyone to the feast that you find. And so we can think about this for ourselves, too. We can invite people, anyone, even if we think maybe it's not their thing, right? Or maybe, oh, they're not Catholic or whatever that may be. He wants us to invite anyone and everyone to this feast. Now, that's the good news of the scripture, that we're all welcome, we're all supposed to come here. But the difficult part is, when the king came into the meet to the guests, he saw a man there not dressed in a wedding garment. Now, I don't know about you, but this is a little disturbing, because this guy is invited, he comes off the street, probably last minute, and he shows up to this wedding, and he's not in his garment. Like, how, how is he going to get a garment that soon? And the master comes to him and says to him, my friend, how is it you came in without a wedding garment? And then this is the worst part. So he said to his attendants, bind his hands and his feet, cast him into the darkness outside, where there will be wailing and grinding of teeth. And then it gets even worse. Many are invited, but few are chosen. So how do we make sense of this very difficult gospel passage that Jesus is introducing as a parable? Well, I'd like to make sense of it through the sacraments, most especially baptism, reconciliation, and the Eucharist. So in baptism, we were given a white garment. So the white garment that the uh, servant didn't have, we were given that white garment in baptism. And when you were handed that, that white garment, godparents or parents, the priest of the deacon said to you, see in this white garment your Christian dignity and bring it unstained one day into everlasting life. You have become a new creation and clothed yourself in Christ. And this white Garment is the symbol of the, your Christian dignity. And with your family and friends, by word and example, bring that dignity, unstained, into everlasting heaven. So we all have the white garment. But there's that second part that says, bring that white garment unstained into everlasting life. So when we get to the celebration, to the feast of God, is our gar garment going to be white? If it's not white, we will experience that casting out, either it be purgatory or hopefully not hell, but we'll experience that being casting out. So what happens if our garment becomes stained? That's the image of sin, and that's the image of our garment becoming destroyed. And when we have grave sin or mortal sin, we're not supposed to receive communion. And so the idea is, just as the man came to the celebration but didn't have a garment, he was cast out. 
the Catechism of the Catholic Church talks about responding to this invitation to, to, to this banquet. And St. Paul urges us to examine our conscience. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an un, un, unworthy manner will be guilty of profaning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a man examine himself, and so eat the bread and drink the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body, eats and drinks judgment upon <coughs> himself. So the Catechism says that anyone with grave sin must receive the sacrament of reconciliation before communion. And so we have this wonderful opportunity, if our garment becomes stained because of sin, especially grave or mortal sin, we have the opportunity to go to confession and our garment becomes white again and we can enter into the feast. I think what Jesus is really getting at with this man without the, without the garment is there was a sense of pride in terms of coming to this wedding feast but not really entering in pure. Coming to celebrate but not wearing his white garment. He was reduced to silence because he didn't really, I think, have an excuse. I think he just was there, but didn't really want to be there. And so for all of us, we are given that white garment, and hopefully we can not only come to Mass and receive the Eucharist worthily, go to confession if we need to, but one day bring that garment unstained into our everlasting life.